Greetings, Grace Chapel, from the Rowe family. And we're called 600 Rowe because there's six of us. And then in 2001, our family joined OMF and headed to China with the support of Grace Chapel. We lived in China for nine years and started with two babies, Jeremy and Mika, who were one and two. And then Benjamin, our third, was born in Beijing in 2004. When we couldn't return back to China, our family moved from the beautiful suburbs of Bedford to Lowell, Massachusetts, and I became the director of the Christie Wilson Center of World Missions at Gordon-Conwell Seminary. And then uh, Alex joined us later in 2012 as a special needs eight-year-old boy from Southwest China. And in 2016, we moved our family to Taiwan, and we just returned back to the U.S., to Queens, New York, after serving six years in Taiwan. And so thank you, Grace Chapel, for all your prayers and support for over 20 years of ministry. And so the theme of the Global Awareness Week is listening to God in mission. And I'm going to start by providing some biblical insights from the book of Acts, Acts chapter 20, 22 through 24. And it comes from the life of Paul. And so there are three main lessons here that will be addressed today. First, God still speaks today. Second, by listening to God, we take steps of faith to prepare for trials ahead. And then thirdly, listening to God requires an all-out commitment to serving His call and His purpose for our lives. After I speak, Jackie will follow with her own testimony of how God has worked in her life. But let's first turn over to Acts chapter 20, 22 through 24, and I'll just read it with you. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task. The Lord Jesus has given me the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. So just to provide a quick background and context, the Apostle Paul is sharing his future plans with the Ephesian church. Actually, the church leaders, this is a church that he planted earlier, and he's on his way back. And then Paul himself, who is called to the Gentiles, he's called the apostle to the Gentiles in Romans 11, chapter 13, uh, chapter, chapter 11, verse th- uh, uh, 13. But in um, Acts 20, 22, and now he says this, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there. So first clarification is compelled by the Spirit is actually different from Paul's direct vision with his Damascus experience. Remember, he was um, he the Lord met him on the road to Damascus. It was a conversion and a call. There was another time when he had a, re- a vision called the Macedonian call where he was going to leave Asia Minor and go to Macedonia. Those are actually different from this compelled by the Holy Spirit. And the reason why is that you go back into compelled by the Spirit uh, was combined with some of his own decision-making. Interestingly, a couple chapters earlier, which is the decision for him to go to Jerusalem, is described as Paul in Acts chapter 19, 21. After all this happened, Paul decided to go to Jerusalem. 
after I had been there, I must visit Rome also. So you see, Paul says he decided to go to Jerusalem, probably combining this inner urge, not knowing exactly how everything was making sense, but realizing where every city was going, there were Jews who were rioting against him. And and maybe he was thinking, because of all this confusion, it would be good for me to go back to Jerusalem, to meet, of course, with the apostles, and maybe try to clarify things there, and to head back to the heart of Judaism. Yet he doesn't really know what will happen and doesn't realize that he will be arrested and then eventually be sent to Rome. Remember, he says he wants to go to Rome, but eventually he is sent to Rome, actually, as a prisoner. But Paul says this, he's compelled by the Spirit, which is a combination of this dangerous faith, risk-taking decision, combining it also with strategy in his own experience. So what can we learn in regarding to how God speaks to us today is, number one, the Holy Spirit still leads, still guides, and still speaks to us today. God speaks to each of us differently. Now, later, Jackie's going to share her experience, but Jackie and I are very different uh, in the way that God speaks to us. For me, I mainly receive my internal um, compelling from the Spirit by reading the Word of God, reading the Bible, knowing God's Word, knowing His heart, His purposes. I know His righteousness, I know His character, I read the Word, and then I align my life according to God's Word. And yes, God uses my gifts, my visionary gifts, and my strategic thinking. And as a missionary, I have this internal urging, compelled by the Spirit moments, combining internal direction from the Spirit, but also using strategic mind and knowledge. When I was in China, I had this internal compelling to go to Beijing to reach the future leaders of China. Our family developed a love for China. We love the Chinese people. We love their culture. We love the language. We love the Beijing dialect. My favorite food in the world is Peking duck. Who doesn't love a good Chinese hot pot? Even though our oldest three kids are ethnically 75% Korean, you know, I'm half Chinese, half Korean. My wife is 100% Korean ethnically. But if you were to ask our kids, you know, what are you or where are you from? They, they claim to be Chinese. You see, my inner desire comes with strategic thinking and it's combined with the, uh, this un- unknowing fears and risks to make that decision. For me, I decided to go to China because China, I believe, was going to have an impact globally around the world. And I chose Beijing because Beijing was the heart and soul of China. And actually, when I made that decision, it was really against the common advice of many in the mission world, including my OMF leadership. And when we landed in in Beijing in 2003, you know, um, let's just say this. I, I still consider Beijing my home today, even though I haven't been back over a dozen years. As we listen to God, this is the second point. We grow spiritually by taking acts of faith, which prepares us for the hardship ahead. 
You see, the Holy Spirit was warning the Apostle Paul about prisons and hardship to come. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardship are facing me. When we live out our faith by taking risks under different difficult circumstances, possibly suffering ahead, we know that the Holy Spirit is there to warn us, to guide us, and even to comfort us throughout the whole process. I remember when we first headed to China, the, the response from some of our Chinese friends here in Lexington, Chinese Bible Church, uh, I could just read it in their faces. Of course, they were a little bit, uh, they wouldn't say it directly, but they would kind of say, why China? Why, why Beijing? They, of course, had just left China coming to the U.S. And, and um, it was an encrypted message in their faces. And they were kind of saying this to us. Um, why are you going there? You know, uh, you don't know the communist China. We just came from there. You have young kids, babies, and and what about their future? Uh, your wife doesn't speak Chinese, and um, what could you do there? It's such an anti-Christian environment. If I went with those advices, I tell you, we wouldn't be good. We wouldn't be there. But I tell you, when we arrived in China, and I'd say this, we loved our time in China and in Beijing. It was the craziest, it was the riskiest, it was difficult, it was challenging, but we had God on our side, and he sustained us during some of the most darkest times and deepest valleys. Our first step of faith led us to more difficult decisions for us and our family in the future, and that was our first test. So first, in 2001, we moved to Kunming into China. Of course, that's where Jackie learned uh, uh, studied Chinese. And then in 2003, the next test of faith was moving to Beijing, just when SARS hits. And it was a test of faith for me to leave. I wanted to go come back to Boston, but you know, the, the advice from my wife Jackie was to let's just pray and consider staying. And then we stayed in Beijing during that time, and the Lord just opened the doors for us in ministry. Then we came back in 2010 and uh, couldn't go back to China. And so after a couple of years, we decided to say, well, if we're going to stay in the Boston area, I had got the job at Gordon Conwell as the director of the Christie Wilson Center. And we could, you know, we were in Bedford at that time, uh, great suburbs, and many of you are from there. But uh, the decision for us was to move from the suburbs of Bedford to the inner city of Lowell. And I tell you, that was even a harder decision than moving to China for us. Because our kids were entering, Jeremy was entering ninth grade, Miko was entering eighth grade, and Benjamin into fifth grade. And we didn't know about um, going into the city of Lowell. But that was actually one of the best decisions for us too. And then 2015, another big challenge. Jackie came home from China one day from a visit and said, this is eight-year-old boy, since that God wants us to adopt. And so I was thinking, if God took care of us in Beijing, in Kunming, and in, you know, in Bedford, and in Lowell, of course, adopting should be no a piece of cake. Of course, it wasn't a piece of cake, but the challenges were there. But each step of the way, God showed us that he was there for us. And so in 2016, when there was a chance for us to move back to Asia. We we took that chance. My daughter was a sophomore in high school. Jeremy was a junior in high school at the time. We made that decision. Their senior, junior year in high school, we moved back to Taiwan. 
And so what I want to say this is missionary life is, is first of all, it's not for everyone. I have to say not everyone's called to mission, and it has its challenges. Our kids never have had a place, you can say, that they call home. Um, you know, we were in Taichung for the last six years, and, and we were in three different locations there. Uh, now in home assignment, we're now living in Queens, New York, next to Jackie's parents. Um, next year, we could be in Bangkok or Singapore, depending on our next assignment. Our children's, uh, sometimes our children, they don't know who they are. They don't know if they're Korean. They don't know if they're Chinese. Uh, they, you ask them, they probably say Chinese. They don't know if they're American. They, they have questions about their identity. But one thing God has taught us is that he has provided for each of our kids. And so we know that God is in control and he's in charge. Now, I want to um, go to my, uh, share with you a little bit about, um, as missionaries, we don't have some material things that often have to, we often have to live off the generosity of others. My daughter, uh, she just landed her first job in marketing in Manhattan, right out of Wheaton College. She makes more money than me uh, with 25 years of pastoral uh, missionary um, ministry. Missionaries, we live simply, and we live off the generosity of others. When we came back uh, from furlough into um, Bedford, it was a Grace Chapel couple that offered their homes for us for two years. The car that we drive right now is only a... A borrowed car, Toyota Corolla 2007. It's from a friend, but you know, it serves us well. We love it. Uh, we have actually now, um, seven people in our home, which, uh, which we live off of one car, but it's, it's fine. We live simply, but it's a, a life of joyful contentment. We have a heart of gratitude to our friends and supporters for all the gifts. And our gratitude, of course, is ultimately to our Lord and Savior and provider, Jesus Christ. Now, the third point is listening to God requires a life that serves God's purposes. And this is the most important point, which the first two points all hinge on this third point. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Just as God has called Paul to be an apostle to the Gentiles, each of us must discern our calling in life. We have all been assigned to a task to be completed, and listening to God helps us discern our calling and purpose. God has called each of our children very differently. As parents, the most important thing for us is to listen to God's call in their lives and help them complete what God has called them to do, to complete the task that God has given them. Now, Jeremy, our oldest, you know, he has sensed the call to serve in the military. Of course, after graduating from the U.S. Military Academy, uh, our daughter, Mika, just graduated from Wheaton College, landed a job in marketing. So if Jeremy's in the military, Mika's in marketing in Manhattan. They're all M's. And then our third kid, uh, who's just graduated from high school, Benjamin, is sensed, he's the only one of the four who has sensed a calling 
to be a career missionary. Of course, he's going to head to USC in the spring, and it's going to major in health science, and we just trust that God will follow that call with him all the way through. And then Alex, uh, our, thir- our fourth, who we adopted from China, he wants to be a teacher. You know, uh, of course, a teacher doesn't start with an M, but um, most likely he will attend a technical school after high school, learn a trade. And since he loves cars, maybe an M would be, he could be a mechanic. You know, but anyways, God calls each of our kids very differently. And what was my missionary call? I gave my life during my junior year at Wheaton College. I transformed from someone who wanted the whole world. I wanted to be a rich Christian businessman because I thought that was the best of both worlds. I could enjoy heaven, but also enjoy earth. But somehow, my junior year in college, I I had... A 180 degree turn. The Lord grasped my heart and my, my values, my direction in life, my motivation all shifted overnight. And I wanted to serve the Lord wholeheartedly. Now, the way that God speaks to me is, you know, it's most clear when I read the Bible. You know, I had my devotions and the, the word reveals God's heart. And, and the reason why I became a missionary is when I was reading the Bible, I was noticing saying God's heart was for the world. The Bible was a missionary handbook from Genesis to Revelation. And when I read the Bible, I just read missions. Missions is in virtually every chapter and every book in the Bible. So I decided to line my life according to what I saw to become a missionary. Now, God doesn't call everyone. Like I said, even our kids, not everyone is going to be a career missionary. Uh, but, but let me just say this. God speaks to each of my kids. And most importantly, that they would have the greatest impact to testify the good news in whatever career assignment they have. I remember a conversation with Jeremy. He said, Dad, I don't feel the same missionary call that you and Mom have. At least not yet. Is that okay? I reassured him that his call was different from ours. And even different from Benjamin's. God needs godly military commanders who can serve God in that arena where there is no career missionaries that could influence influence at that level. Last month, I went to Colorado Springs to where he's serving commission, um, um, there, and we were able to have dinner with uh, for, uh, former General Jerry White, a retired two-star Air Force general. And he's also the former president of Navigators. And as a general in the Air Force, he had influence over tens of thousands of soldiers. And as president of Navigators, he led an organization that discipled tens of thousands of men and women. So I told Jeremy, listen to God's call in your life, which is to be the spirit, the best spiritual influence you can have in the military. And during his time at West Point, Jeremy became the vice president of the Officers Christian Fellowship, influencing hundreds of other, other fellow cadets for Christ. And his roommate decided to become a Christian and was baptized after seeing Jeremy reading his Bible every day. And this is a habit that he has been doing since he was a child. 
So like Paul, our life aim is to finish the race, complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Finally, I want to share about one of my best friends in Beijing, a pastor, Pastor Kenming, who graduated from Tsinghua University in 1989. He came to Christ through a friend. And to get into Tsinghua, which is the top university in China, you have to beat one out of, I mean, really, nine million students to apply for, for colleges. And it really is a privilege to attend one of the top universities in China. I can't imagine the pressure he had from his parents, from his hometown, from his friends, to build his career off of this this university and to make millions and bring honor back to their home. But in the 1990s, atheistic communism had lost the hearts of the youth due to Tiananmen Square. And even though it still dominated every aspect of society, Tiananmen had a powerful encounter with God and he gave his life to full-time pastoral ministry. See, um, he is considered one of the most influential house churches in urban China. Um, and in 2009, um, hundreds of believers uh, were um, forced outdoors to worship in a snowstorm. And you can see pictures there, but he was someone who was leading the charge. And I came to know Pastor Tianming when we arrived into Beijing in 2003. And um, I remember in 2006, I, I brought him and a, another pastor to to Urbana uh, 96, and sorry, 2006. And then we came and we visited Grace Chapel. And you can see we met here with uh, Pastor Brian and got to meet some of the staff. In, in April 2011, after the visit here, Pastor Tamming was placed under house arrest with security guards rotating every eight hours, living right outside his home preventing him from leaving his house. Do you know how long this house arrest lasted? Now, for those who've been in COVID, I, I've been quarantined for 15 days, and that was hard enough for me. He was released in October 2019, almost a decade later. And I've been able to keep in touch with him throughout the years and having often asked myself, how does a pastor sustain himself? You see, Pastor Tianming, he has had a powerful encounter with the Lord. Early on in his life, he received a call to full-time ministry. He sensed God's presence in his life. He focused his life to aim to live for God's purpose. He completed, he wanted to complete the task before him. And yes, he's been in tune with God daily through steps of faith under intense, incredible pressure. And I've occasionally been able to attend and join some of his early morning prayer meetings at six for his church members. Each step of the way, he's made decisions moving from the homes to the office space. I remember that first decision. There was a major attack on his church. His attempt to register his church with the government failed. He tried to purchase 
office space with $4 million that failed. And each time of failure, God sustained him through each difficult time of persecution. All this for what? He had a strong sense and call from God for the Chinese house church and for the Christians to be a visible witness in the society and one day to prepare for a mission movement from China to the world. You see that last point, aligning our lives, listening to God requires us to align our lives first to God's purposes and all out commitment to what he's called us to do. And so now we're going to turn over the time to hear from Jackie, to hear of how God speaks to her and how her life is aligned with God's purpose. I grew up in a non-Christian family. Um, we attend the church every Sunday, but we were just religious people. In high school, I had a radical conversion experience where I tasted the goodness of God, but yet I was very miserable. Then one day as I was walking home um, from school, I had a conversation with God and I asked God, Lord, where is that peace and joy that Christians often talk about? I certainly wasn't having it in my life, and I wondered what was happening, what was wrong with my life as a Christian. And then almost immediately, I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, Jackie, you have not given me your entire life. And in my spirit, I knew that was true. So right then and there, as I was walking home, I decided from now on, I'm going to live a life completely devoted to God, that there was no part of me, no compartment in my life or in my heart that I was going to reserve for myself. But I would from this day forward live in complete surrender to the Lord. I don't know if any of you are familiar with this movie, The Count of Monte Cristo, but it reminds me of a scene where the main character has a knife fight with the pirate and as he was about to kill him and held that knife to his throat, he decided to spare his life. And when that man rose from the beach, in his gratefulness, he said to him, from this day forward, I am your man forever. And that's exactly how I felt. I told the Lord in my spirit, from this day forward, I am your woman. I will serve you. I will follow you. Whatever you want me to do, I will do. Wherever you go, I will go. And since that day, I have never turned back. I am so thankful for my salvation. And even till this day, even so many years um, after that experience, um, I rarely have a day when I don't think about my salvation and how grateful I am for the Lord rescuing me from really, literally death, as I was really spiraling down to a life of self-destruction. So my life, my missionary call, and how I got here today is just a simple love story of someone like me, so grateful for salvation, so grateful that the Lord had saved me, that I just want to share with someone else that same love that I received from our God.
So right when I experienced that, I was so thirsty and hungry. I just wanted to grow in the Lord. I got into the Bible and just started to learn about the things that God was about. What does God care about? What is God's will for my life? And what does he want me to do? Our youth pastor seated, planted a seed in my heart where she made us pray for China every Friday and Sunday. And I just thought, why is she doing this? But somehow during those times of prayer for uh, praying for China, I started to grow an interest in China. And one day during a prayer meeting, I sensed the spirit um, asking me, Jackie, would you be willing to go to China? And um, I believe I immediately said yes. But I, at that time, I was kind of young and not really knowing how to discern the voice of God. But I still kept on thinking about that conversation. And then I got into books um, written by Elizabeth Elliot, Amy Carmichael, and Hudson Taylor. And I saw in them a vision of God that was greater than their own lives. And through their writings, I saw that they toiled and labored for the gospel. And I was so drawn to this kind of life, a sacrifice and a life that had a purpose. Acts twenty twenty four says, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. There were so many reasons for me to stay and not go to China. But God was asking me to go to a place where people did not hear of Jesus. And that seemed to make a lot of sense to me. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, Romans 10, 14, 15. A lot of people ask me, Jackie, how do you know that you were called to China? How do you know that God called you to be a missionary? I don't know if I have a right answer for that. I just know that the unction at that time was so strong and so powerful, I almost could not refuse. It was a strong invitation that I had to respond yes in obedience. So in saying yes, I will go, Lord, that response that answer completed the invitation and sealed the calling for me in my life. At that time, I didn't think about numbers and strategies. I didn't even make a list of pros and cons. And I'm so glad I didn't because I know that if I had, I would not have gone. I would be too afraid. And there were too many reasons for me not to go. My parents were one of them who constantly reminded me of how many Chinese people were in America and how I can just go next door and evangelize to them. But no, the Lord was calling me overseas to China, and I had to say yes. I knew this was something that the Lord deeply cared about. We only get one life. Did I consider my life so precious that I could not give it entirely to my God, my Redeemer, my creator, my father.
Listening to God begins with an intimate relationship with God. It is a step-by-step discipleship of growing in him, experiencing his power, being obedient, and aligning my life to what his greater purpose on this earth is. We all have a story, but where do our story fit into the greater story of God's plan for the world? When we respond, yes, I'll give you opportunities to test your faith and to grow in faith. And I want to share how true this is, that the greater the trust that is needed, the greater the spiritual growth. And I can testify that throughout the years, after I said yes to God so many years ago as I was walking home from school, I have just been the recipient of God's continuous love, grace, and revelation of who he is. I just want to encourage you that if there's something in your life right now that is difficult, don't give up. Don't cave in. Don't run away. Stay. Consider it an opportunity of growth and revelation of his grace. Does God still speak today? Yes. But unless we first have a life submitted to his lordship, unless we make space for him to have the rightful place in our lives, whatever he says will not make proper sense to us. His commands and his standards will always be at odds with our flesh and our desires. We need to relinquish those rights and submit ourselves again to the lordship of Jesus Christ. As we are all on a journey, I know you also have a unique story I have two questions for you. What do you know about God's purpose for the world? What do you know about God's purpose for your life? Let's listen together. Please join with me in prayer. Lord, we desire to listen. We open our hands. We open our hearts to say yes, Lord, yes to your ways. We say, Holy Spirit, come, show us areas in our lives where we have not completely surrendered ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that your kindness always leads us to repentance. Have your way, Lord. Have your way. For it's in Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen.